Welcome back, everybody. This is Greg from the Rebellious Wellness Over 50 podcast with Kristen Caulfield. We are going to have a call that is very special to me today because Kristen and I share food as a means to be well and healthy and feel good. We have similar backgrounds and she's a hoot. And I know that if you are feeling at all like, God, it's the new year, I should change something, but I don't know how, and I'm going to give up all this stuff and get healthy. We're going to lay all of that to rest and take all the pressure off yourself. Kristen's going to teach us how to use food, not just to have a healthy body, but to help your mind. It's amazing what food can do that people underestimate. So Kristen, welcome. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with me. I'm super excited to have you. I am so delighted to be here. And my message is always, you can change your life and your health one bite at a time. I don't want people to be overwhelmed because there is enough wellness overwhelm out there to begin with. Once you, see, you go down that Google path and you're like, oh, I need to find out like some information about you know, healthy eating and healthy living, all of a sudden you're like, <gasps> you know, it's too much. It's too much. I try to make it simple. I try to make it easy to understand and super doable. And one thing, um, and then I'll tell you a little bit about me, but I always tell people, if we just ate the way our great-grandparents ate, we wouldn't have all these health concerns. So we can really simplify it by just sort of being like, well, when I'm shopping, I'm always thinking, was this around when my great-grandparents mm. were, were growing up? Because if it wasn't, it's a processed food. If it's got a label, it's a processed food. I used to say, if it has a barcode, don't eat it. But if you've noticed, every darn piece of fruit in the grocery store now has a, unless you're at a farmer's market, has a damn barcode on it. Like, what's going on here? Anyway, I want you to tell us about how you became who you are right now, because you were not always so focused on taking good care of yourself and eating well and stuff. So give us a little bit about your history. Well, food was always my medium. So I've always liked food and been interested in food. And food is everything. You know, it's culture, it's history, it's family, it's social life, it's math, it's science. You know, it's, it's all, it, it all comes down to food. But I think I was like so many women. I, you know, went to a good college and I married a great guy. And I worked in the food business a little bit. And, you know, then I had my family and I thought I was doing a pretty good job. And, you know, I was probably eating more refined carbs and processed foods than were good for me. But I also had, a, you know, I was busy. I had a family to feed. And there's that fine line, even for me, as I had a catering business at one point. And, you know, I might find myself feeding my kids, you know, a chicken pot pie for dinner while I'm, you know, working on all this beautiful food to, to go out for, you know, a big congressional fundraiser. So food has always been an, a, a very important part of my life. But, you know, then that last kid goes off to college and, and I just had this decade that was so soul sucking. I, I couldn't even recognize my own life. And, and I think every human can relate to some part of this story. So my mother's breast cancer came back. And that was a, a battle she didn't win. But, you know, I certainly wanted to help her 
get the most benefits from her treatment. So, you know, we, we turned to food and, nu- and nutrition to try to help her, you know, get through um, her, her treatment. And then my father, my parents were divorced, but my father had Alzheimer's. And he had been a smoker and a drinker, and he'd eaten the same, like, you know, cereal every day for, you know, 40 years. And I think he probably ate most of his meals at McDonald's towards, you know, the later years of his life. So I was dealing with my father with Alzheimer's. I was dealing with my mother's breast cancer. I still had one kid at home. My marriage was in trouble. Our finances were terrifying. I mean, I could barely sleep. And then I got thyroid cancer. So no surprise when you live in fight or flight mode for an extended period of time and all that cortisol just shoots through your endocrine system. It it takes a toll on you. And it was so bad. You know, it was like, I couldn't even believe this was my life. You know, I would wake up and my first thought would be, oh my God, how am I going to get through this day? And then I'd get into bed at the end of the day and I couldn't sleep because I was just so mm-hmm. like stressed. And, and of course, when you're out of balance, your hormones go out of balance. You know, as a woman, that's like the worst part of the whole thing. You know, yeah. you, you, you get unbalanced and then the hormones jump in and, and they, they amplify it. So now I'm unbalanced. I'm drinking more wine at night to come down off the day and I'm drinking more coffee in the morning to get through the day. And then I'm not sleeping at night. And sleep is the secret sauce that helps us live younger, Absolutely. longer, and better. You know, it's when the, the, all that spinal fluid comes up and does a power wash on the brain. And it helps our brains detox. It helps solidify memories. It, you know, just it helps the organs repair and restore themselves. So I'm not repairing and restoring. I am living in fight or flight mode. I am terrified about you know, what's going to happen in my life and if I can keep my marriage together. And I literally wake up one day and I'm like, I'm at the end of the rope. The rope was long. There's no more rope. And I'm like, I am, this is going to kill me. If I continue to live like this, I will die and it will not be pretty. And I can't control any of this, but I can control what is on the end of my fork. So I just started that, literally that one day I went downstairs and I have a signature program (laughs) at theculinarycure.com, which is my business. And I went downstairs and I went through my cabinets and I threw out everything that wasn't supporting me on my journey, anything that was processed, anything that was expired. So that was really the beginning of the culinary cure, which is my company. I started with myself and what was on the end of my fork. And then I moved into my kitchen to create the conditions of life to support the life I wanted to be living. Mm -hmm. And then I realized if it has been, if I have gone through this, I am sure I am not alone. I I am not the only woman that has been dealing with these kinds of disappointments and challenges. And I decided I needed to become a place where people could go and find information that they could use to take back control of their own lives. Trustworthy sources are hard to come by, Kristen. I'm <laughs> glad you're here. So what I took from that, there are a couple of things that I wanted to um, make sure people heard. A, we sometimes don't recognize that our lives are impacted by self-care, I would say, and not bubble baths, but certainly if that's a thing for you, then do that. But when we're in that place that you're in, 
everything's spinning and churning and we're not sleeping. It doesn't often occur to somebody if they don't feel like, if they don't get cancer or they don't have, you know, some brick upside the head, as Oprah used to say, then they don't even have that opportunity to take a breath and long enough to look around and go, what if I stopped doing this? Or what if I ate differently? And then I think, like I, in the beginning of the call, I said, you know, if you feel like you're going to have to give up everything, you don't succeed at this kind of stuff, changing things and loving yourself more by giving up everything. That's deprivation. And I always say deprivation does not work, right? And resolutions, we talked about it. This is a time for resolutions. It's a new year, new you. Let me start running five miles a day. Let me give up coffee. Let me too much all at once. Did you have to take stock of what mattered to you? Was there any work on the inner you? Like, I know you felt bad, you were sick, you needed to change some things, but did you do any inner work to get to the place where you could say, this is important enough that I'm going to start doing it every day? Like, how did you do it every day? You know, that's so interesting because I think uh, so many of us are seekers, you know, and, and we're looking for someone who's kind of figured it out and, and can help us get to the next place. And I would say there were lots of strangers that I met through various sources who really did help me along the way. But most of the work came, you know, I think it's it, like, it was like I hit rock bottom, you know, mm -hmm. and yeah. I just... I was like, okay, well, it, it probably could get worse, but I don't want to wait around and see, you know. And once you start, and this is what I build my entire philosophy of the culinary cure on, once you change one thing, so this is, this is a microcosm. It all works together, where we live, what we put on our bodies, the thoughts in our head, the food we eat. And when one thing goes out of whack, it's like this domino effect. And we don't see it because it happens over time. So we don't realize that we're kind of getting into these habits that don't support us. And when we look at our habits, so 43% of what we do every single day is mindless repetition. Wow. We don't think about it. We just do it. When you can tap into that 43% and make those habits things that support you, you start to shift energy balance within yourself and you start to do more of the good things. This body is designed to run on a specific type of fuel. We are omnivores. But what's happened is through industrialized and commercial food production, we have started to eat like carnivores that eat carbohydrates. So we're eating too much processed food. We're eating too much meat. And, you know, that's a whole nother story about, you know, eating too much cheap meat and, you know, how that's impacting the planet and it's not good for the animals. In a nutshell, if it's not good for the planet, it is not good for us. It's yeah. just, you know, we are part of that ecosystem. We are all interconnected. So when you start to harness that 43%, one of my favorite habits that I tell people is hydration is the low-hanging fruit of wellness. Mm -hmm. If we can get the hydration part right, it's much easier to get the eating part right and the sleeping part right and the stress part right. 
So our bodies are 70% fluid. We need water. Every major organ needs water to function. And that includes the brain, of course. And so many of the things that we do are dehydrating, alcohol, caffeine. You know, caffeine in, in and of itself is not dehydrating, but it's a diuretic. So we need to, to drink more liquids to replace the liquids lost. So if the first beverage of each day is a cup of coffee, and you're introducing that after the fast that occurs during sleep, because when we're sleeping, our body's in fast mode. And we're supposed to be in a sound sleep between like 12 and 3, because that's when all of our major organs, which are on a circadian rhythm, go through their detoxification process. And then the first thing we need to do is actually drink water so we can help our lymphatic system get rid of all that metabolic waste that it's been collecting overnight. But most people have a cup of coffee. So if you have a cup of coffee, first thing, you're jacking up your adrenals. And as women, that is like, hello, welcome to your hormones. Now your hormones are kind of put on standby to, you know, they're kind of like ready to overreact. And we're not getting that essential beginning step of hydration for the day because we need to be drinking between 80 and 100 ounces of water a day, but not just drinking that water, getting it into our cells. So we need to hydrate on an intercellular level. So this all sounds like, oh my God, that's so complicated, but it's not. Really, if there's one thing that any of your listeners decide to do differently, start each day with eight to 10 ounces of warm or room temperature water, you can add the juice of half a lemon because although lemon goes in acidic, it turns alkaline in the body and raising our alkalinity level helps to lower inflammation. And of course, inflammation and stress are like, you know, the ugly stepsisters that, you know, you want to you like keep them in the next room if possible. Yeah, we've been talking about inflammation on the past couple of calls because we now know and it's still a chicken and an egg thing. Is inflammation the cause of lifestyle or exacerbating lifestyle diseases, or is it the result? And I do think it depends on what's going on in your body. It will result, certain things will result in inflammation, which then causes more disease processes. So keep your inflammation down. It, right. the, uh, the whole water thing, I think I always woke up and drank water because I had too much wine the night before <laughs> when I was younger and I was thirsty. But then as I started to do this research and studied nutrition and got into following functional medicine docs and stuff and got the understanding of, you know, our bodies are dehydrated, this and that. And then I heard somebody say, you should put lemon in your water. And I thought, oh, well, this is cool. And somebody were like, it has to be warm water. And then I got myself into this dither about it's, I, I'm in the bathroom upstairs, the lemons are downstairs. Well, I'm not just, I'm just not going to do anything. And I came to this idea that if I just had water in the bathroom and went downstairs and had my lemon water, all is right with the world. So I have had that habit for, I can't even tell you how many years. And I did have a period of time where I couldn't use lemon juice. I get hoarse. I don't know. It's this crazy thing if I have too much acid, which is kind of a good thing. If my voice is hoarse, I know that I've gotten off the alkaline track, right? But pretty much it also feels good. Mm -hmm. You know, if you take the time to actually feel that water going into your system after you've been asleep, even if you haven't slept well, you haven't really done anything in this space of time between you didn't eat. Let's put it that way chances are you didn't exercise either. It still just feels good going in. And I have this thing, last week's episode was called Everything is Food. 
And you talked about, you know, we have to feed our mind good stuff and mindfulness of what we're doing is nourishing if we're doing, you know, something good for ourselves, obviously. You want to be mindful of the not so good stuff too, because then maybe you won't do it as often. But changing little habits like having water or not, it's like wake up and be mindful. What does my body want? Well, I know I listened to that podcast and that woman, Kristen, said water is important for this. Well, let me just try the water thing. And that's all it is, you guys. It's trying it one day. Try it the next day. And I know a lot of people will say, I don't like to drink water. I don't do well with water in the first thing in the morning. Tough titties. Right. Well, you actually do. You just, you know, we're designed to function on water. And actually, water is so interesting because our water is processed. It's been through a municipal processing plant. Chemicals have been added to kill dangerous pathogens. So the type of water as omnivores that we're supposed to be drinking is live water, water from streams and rivers that is highly alkaline that has electrolytes in it and liquid minerals in it. So we can actually boost our water with those things. You can, you can actually, I, I use electrolytes and liquid minerals in my water. It actually changes the taste a little bit, which I like. I have another little hack that I tell people, you know, I have some people who are like, oh, I don't know, you know, the lemon's a lot of work. And I'm like, just buy a high quality essential oil that's lemons. Just make sure it's a really good one. doTERRA has some good ones. There's some other good ones out there. You can you can use and this is what I do when I travel. I just use the lemon essential oil in my water and it gets, you know, I get the same benefits um, yeah. from that. But we definitely need to because of the way we live and and when I look at my situation and how you know, my habits were making my situation worse. So there's really no neutral habits. Your habits are either helping you or hurting you. And, and trying to tap into that 43%, because, you know, that's like, that's like the secret. Like, oh my God, 43% of what we do, eating is mindless. You know, like, how are you controlling your thoughts? How do you take that 43% and turn that into wellness gold? So you look at your habits and you say, is this habit serving me or is it no longer serving me if it's no longer serving you game it up so if the coffee you can still have your coffee i love coffee i enjoy my coffee more after i've had my warm lemon water and i save it because i'm, I'm a freak and i go to the gym at 5 a.m but you know i save it for when i get back from the gym and i really savor it and i love it and i enjoy it for women the most important thing we can do for ourselves is make sure we're rehydrating after the fast that occurs during sleep. And then the first meal of the day, whatever time you eat it, is filled with fiber, fat, and protein. Mm -hmm. That is the trifecta of good health and gut health. And it will keep you fuller longer. It will fuel you up for the day. You know, it will balance your hormones from the get-go, and that's what we need. So once I changed my habits and I was using food intentionally instead of mindlessly, because mindless eating is the enemy of mindful health, every bite, every sip, I was like, what do I want from this? This is a chemically coded message that I am going to put into my body that is going to elicit various biological responses. 
So when we eat things like processed foods, refined grains, added sugar, artificial ingredients, all of those things send a message to the body. All of those things create inflammation in our bodies. So if you're sending the signal and, and the, the communication between the brain and the gut is something called the gut-brain access. And the gut sends thousands of signals to the brain each day, but the brain only sends a couple of hundred to the gut. So the signaling from the gut is directed by our gut bacteria. And that's where this whole study of you know, the microbiome and why what we eat and drink matters is because of this signaling. So if you're putting in things that send the wrong signals, your brain is then sending the wrong signals to your body to do things. That's where cravings come from. That's where so much dysfunction comes from. And we can control that. This is all within our control. So think of food as this tool. What do I want from this? You know, do I need energy? Do, do I just need a reward? Listen, I... I'm one of those people, five days a week, I use food so strategically. I get up early, I exercise early, I need to be able to concentrate to do all the things I do. I give cooking classes in the afternoons because I'm sort of mentally done. And you know, I have a couple of hours that I can teach other people how to use food more intentionally. It is so simple once you break it down into what do I want from this? You know, if you're eating sugar, your blood sugar is going to go up, your hormones are going to get rattled, you know, you're going to spike and then drop. It's okay. I do, I love sugar. I, you know, we all love sweet things. The, the first food we ever ate was mother's milk. It's very sweet. There's a lot of sugar in it. There's also a lot of fat people who think that fat isn't good for you. It is jam-packed with fat, saturated fat, I might add. And that's where people have gotten so confused too about healthy fats. There are really only five, five fats we should be using you know, in, our, in our cooking. Butter from grass-fed cows, yep. extra virgin olive oil, lard from grass-fed cows is actually acceptable, extra virgin coconut oil, Mm-hmm. And avocado oil. Those are, the, those are the safe and healthy oils. I've got a download on my website if people want to know more. But, you know, I'm sorry, vegetable oil, if you knew how they made vegetable oil yeah. and rapeseed oil, which is canola oil, or maybe canola oil is soy bean oil. Yeah, no, canola want, is rapeseed. Yeah. You don't want any of those seed or bean oils. You don't want, you don't want oil from something that wasn't intrinsically oily, you know? So like when they make these like grapeseed oil, for example, well, they had all these leftover grape seeds from making grape juice and grape jelly. They're like, well, how can we make some money here? You know, it's a 10 step process to make these oils that involves bleach and chemicals and, you know, stuff to make them clear, and they actually create inflammation in the body. I don't know whether you knew this, but canola oil was Canadian oil. It came from Canada originally. It smells so bad when they process it into oil that they then have to defragrance it. Right. Right. So there's another step to that one particular right. oil that everybody thought, oh my gosh, canola oil is the healthiest thing on the planet. We're all going to start baking with it and do it. 
is not so much people. And I, I want to go back to that sugar, talking about sugar for a moment. I forget who I was talking to recently, but diabetes, we know, is a process where there's too much sugar, the body can't eliminate it, la, la, la. We have type 1 diabetes. That's a different situation. Type 2 diabetes is the, more, the one that is a lifestyle issue. They're now calling Alzheimer's type 3 diabetes. Right. A distinct link. I don't have the, I can't cite a record right here, but I will put something in the blog because I'm working on that right now, that this over-sugarization of our bodies leads to this inflammation, which could be contributing to the plaques in the brain, the amyloid plaques that result in Alzheimer's or dementia. So I am not, I'm like you, I love sugar. I don't eat a lot of sweet sugary things, but I like wine. I like a cookie. Once a day, maybe not a whole cookie, a half a bite. Of, but, you know, it's just my, it's mindless. Like, oh, just had lunch, got to have a cookie or something. I'm really becoming more careful about when I use that. Like you said, when I use it, what do I want to achieve by having this? So I'm like you said, sometimes I just worked out. I had a really hard spin class. I yep. want a damn cookie. Okay, great. That's the time to have it. My body is burning fuel, right? right? It's another wake-up call that we are so in control of what, how we age. And my whole thing is about aging better. Yours is a similar way. Feel good now and age in good health. Well, because everything we're doing right now is setting us up for the next decade. Yep. So it's really crucial to understand the role that food plays. You know, I'm 62. And as we, as we age, certain things change. Like our body does less. So our food needs to do more for us. And we're in this tough spot where... You know, so much of our food is less nutritious than the food our great-grandparents had because of the way we farm, because of processed foods. There aren't as many nutrients in the soil anymore. We've depleted our soil. That's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> we could have so many conversations. Oh, my God. And we will. <laughs> we'll be back because we, we need to will. talk about the wine. Women, wine, and wellness is a really important topic. The way our food system has evolved, you know, there was never so much sugar in our food. But what food manufacturers figured out, you know, after World War II, we took over, you know, all the sugar production came back online. You know, manufacturers, well, corn was king. So that's when corn oil became, you know, a big introduction. Sugar started being used in all kinds of food. Because sugar is hot, it's the most highly addictive ingredient on the planet. Mm -hmm. It is as addictive as, you know, it's more addictive than co cocaine when they give it to rats. The rats always choose the sugar over the cocaine. And sugar lights up, it has an opioid like effect on the brain. It lights up, lights up our brains and it creates cravings. You know, I made these cookies for my husband over the weekend and I don't bake a lot anymore, but you know, I've been giving these cooking classes. The, the mom said, oh, could, you, could we just make a Christmas cookie? And I said, sure. And I, and I made these cookies and I put it up on my website and then I made them at home over the weekend. And my husband was like, you have got to get these out of the house. These are so delicious. I, I mean, I can't. And then my dad came over and we, and we had the cookies as a, a little dessert. And my dad was like, oh my God, can I take these cookies home? And I was like, oh. You know, this is, this, we're so clean and now we introduce the sugar. As we get older, our sense of taste diminishes. So we start to gravitate towards things that have more added sugar, more added salt. Our sense of thirst diminishes. 
And what I notice in my dad, who's 88, he does better with foods that are easier to eat, more, you know, softer foods. So we, we need to start thinking about how we use food as a tool to live younger, longer, and better and prevent disease. And I, I know you've probably read David Perlmutter's books, yeah. Brain Brain. And, of course, yeah. You know, he's, I, he's just fantastic. Um, he's worth following on Instagram. And, but we can't be mindless. We can't, my, my mother-in-law, you know, she, I had some orange juice at a brunch she served. And I'm like, what, are, what is this? And she goes, oh, it's orange juice. And I said, I'm not sure about that. And I went to the refrigerator and it was something called Tropicana One. And it was an orange juice where they had removed the sugar and added a non-caloric sweetener. So we need to educate ourselves. If it has a label, it's processed. Mm -hmm. We need to eat less food with labels, more foods as close to their original state as possible. When we eat an orange, it comes attached with all this fiber as well as the micronutrients and, you know, and these other important elements. When we drink orange juice, it is like getting as much sugar as a Coke. Yes. And if we replace the real sugar with the fake sugar, the body expects to get satisfied and it doesn't. So it reaches for more. Soon after that, the body is like, wait, we need more of that. I don't feel good. I want my real hit of sugar. So neither are the right answer. Neither sugar, orange juice squeezed from an orange, a whole glass of it is still too much sugar. Eat the whole orange. And as Americans, you know, and we talked about um, the importance of starting each day with fiber, fat, and protein. Breakfast in the United States is traditionally the sweetest meal of the day. Hmm. There are more refined grains, there's more added sugar, and that's sugar in all its forms. So somebody might have a yogurt, you know, let's remember anything with an ose, lactose is milk sugar, fructose is fruit sugar, you know, anything with an ose is sugar. So if you're having, let's say you're having a Greek yogurt, a strawberry Greek yogurt, it's got some basically jelly in it, and you're going to have maybe a piece of toast and a glass of orange juice, you might have just hit your sugar consumption for the day. Absolutely right there. And what you've done is you've also spiked your blood sugar, which is disrupting your hormones. Yeah. And the more the body gets used to those big sugar hits, carb hits, the longer it takes. So our blood sugar is meant to go up after we eat. It's also meant to come down within 90 minutes to baseline. And nowadays, you don't have to be diabetic to go to the pharmacy and get a blood sugar test kit where you prick your finger I just think it's an inter they're not inexpensive to buy the little strips, but for people to just see what happens, take it first thing in the morning before you do anything, have breakfast, 90 minutes later, see how close you are to that original number. And I think a lot of people will be surprised. If we don't come back down to baseline after each meal, then we're running the risk of creating a diabetic or pre-diabetic environment. I know today's an exciting day for you because you have a book coming out on Amazon. And I think this is the kind of book, although I haven't purchased it yet, I didn't know it was for sale, that will help people do this food thing simply. Can you, do you have a copy of your book there? Yeah. So, my book is called is. How Healthy People Eat, An Eater's Guide to Healthy Habits. And I could just read you a little bit from the introduction. Absolutely. 
Healthy people have habits that contribute to their overall vitality and wellness. The things they do give them resilience, mental clarity, boundless energy, proper body weight, and the ability to effectively deal with stress. In a nutshell, healthy habits contribute to a healthy life. When it comes to healthy habits, eating is powerful. What we eat, how we eat, and when we eat all matter. Mastering daily food habits is a tool we can use to create culinary resilience, the ultimate wellness benefit. When we give our bodies what they need to thrive, we are rewarded with a strong immune system, lower inflammation, and lots of feel-good hormones. And who doesn't want to feel good? Every day. We should wake up and feel great every day. We should have restorative rest every night. It's all interconnected. Which came first? I don't know. But I do know that when we harness that 43%, when we focus on the little things we do over and over again, and we align them with our big picture goals for how we want to live and feel and look, we can make it happen. We can make it happen. And nobody should feel like this is not for them. I know some of you listening, and Kristen, tell me if you've had this experience. Like you hear something and you think, oh, oh, that's too scary. Or nah, I could never, that's them. They could do that. Like I used to think I could never eat a salad with lemon and olive oil because I liked dressing so much for years. I mean, it was a thing for me. I just think I'll never be that person. I never put dressing on my salad ever anymore. I just use lemon or lime or, you know. So don't be disheartened if you've heard something that encouraged you to take a step toward eating more mindfully, changing something, adding water with lemon. It's a first step and that's all you need to do is the first step. Kristen's book sounds pretty cool. It's on Amazon, right? It's on Amazon, but you know, visit me at theculinarycure.com. All my links are there. You can read about the book. Uh, You can order the book. And I'm on Instagram. Instagram, where I post a helpful tip every single day. And I'm actually on my Instagram at like 4.30 in the morning, and I shoot these live videos in my kitchen. And I'll just tell you something that you could be doing better. So if you don't know where to start, you can just look at my story on my Instagram and see what my tip was for that day. And that that might be your starting point. But I, there's a famous quote that I love. This is from Arthur Ashe, and it's called, start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. Mm. And that's all you need to do. You just need to do something because yeah. doing nothing, just you'll never, it'll ne- you'll never change. So if you want positive change, you just have to do something. And then you do that something, and all of a sudden the next thing just appears, and it becomes so easy. And it, it's motivating. If I'm on a 100-day challenge with Peloton to do something every day of some sort or another, and initially it's like 100 days. I exercise most days anyway, but there are those days when I'm like, no, I want to take off on Sunday. I'm telling you, you get to Saturday or if you get to day 10 or you've had your lemon water or your salad instead of potato chips with your sandwich, whatever you're having for lunch, all of a sudden the next day you're like, I don't want those potato chips or I don't want those cookies. I want to feel like this. So to your point, get started and things will snowball if you mindfully 
engage this? Because your body, when you start giving your body, you would never, if you had a, you know, a gasoline car, you would never put diesel in it because you would ruin the engine. So you have to think of your body that way. When you put the right fuel in your body, your body operates the way it was designed. Yeah. You start to feel better. You start to look better. You start to, you're like, oh my God, I am craving a salad, you know, like, and to your salad dressing, I'm just going to give a quick recipe. Okay. So I make this salad dressing. It's five ingredients. It is fresh squeezed lemon juice. Right now I'm loving the Meyer lemons. They're oh, so I love Meyer lemons. Yeah. It's fresh squeezed lemon juice, a little bit less lemon juice than olive oil. I make it in like a mayonnaise jar. So I put in like, you know, a little over a third lemon juice, olive oil, I chop a shallot, salt and pepper, and I keep it in a jar in my refrigerator. And every time I bring a salad somewhere, people are like, oh my God, what is this dressing? Yeah. And I'm like, it's not really a recipe. It's just five ingredients. Yeah. And that's how easy it is, honestly. And it's easier than creating complex things with lots of crazy ingredients that are not good for us anyway. Don't overcomplicate this for yourselves. Yeah. I have a girlfriend. Yeah. She was starting Whole30 yesterday. She had a notepad with like lines and shopping lists for different stores. She goes, where am I going to get coconut flakes? And I'm like, what are you doing? She said, oh, I'm getting all the supplies for Whole30. And I said, oh my God, Maria, you're overthinking this. You can roast a chicken, bake a couple of sweet potatoes, and steam some broccoli, and that's Whole30. Yep. You don't need to make the turkey pot pie with the grain-free crust. I say the keto crust and the, yeah. You don't need to, don't make this more complicated. If we eat the way our great-grandparents ate, if we eat more food without labels, if we hydrate properly and start each day with that warm water, it will fall into place and start to make sense. And your life will change, guaranteed. Yeah. Kristen Caulfield, thank you so much for being with us. I really appreciate your time. People go to theculinarycure.com and check out all of Kristen's. She's got a lot of good stuff, a blog and recipes, categories. She calls cool stuff, by the way. And I know that you'll find something, the Instagram feed. I'm not going to watch you at 4.30 in the morning. I'm sorry, girlfriend. <laughs> I'm still getting my beauty eight until six. So I wanted um, it to be the first thing people saw when they- I watched. love that. Well, I'm going to go <laughs> check it out after, I'm, uh, after I do my other morning routines. Anyway, we'll be back next week and I will be talking about, I'm not sure what yet, but it'll be juicy. I promise. Thanks people. Stop by next time. Be well. That's the end of another episode of the Rebellious Wellness Over 50 podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. If there's anything that you heard or hear when you tune in that you think would benefit a friend, a sister, a mother, hey, even some guys, send them my way, would you? And if you've not ever been to the website, rebelliouswellnessover50.com, Head on over there. There are resources, things that I don't always get to on the podcast that might help you age better. Be well till next time and stay that way. <laughs>